Memphis Media Networks. This is America's First News. This morning, with your host, Gordon Deal. A deadly small plane crash. Good morning, I'm Gordon Deal, along with Nicole Murray. On this Friday, February 2nd, glad you could be with us. Here's what we have for you this hour. Several people have been killed after a single edge in Beechcraft plowed into a mobile home park in Clearwater, Florida. After yanking intel and military resources from the Middle East, Washington finds itself ill-prepared in the current crisis. We'll have analysis. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer is planning a test vote next week on a bill combining aid to Ukraine with new rules on immigration. And there's plenty of hype around Apple's expensive new Vision Pro but there are also loads of privacy concerns. With Apple's new product, we're going to have people going around with the equivalent of four iPhones strapped to their heads. I mean, this thing is collecting so much more data than any product, frankly, that I've ever I've ever investigated in my time as a consumer tech columnist. So we've got lots of cameras. So they're not only taking pictures and audio and video, but they're also making maps of the world around you. Jeffrey Fowler at the Washington Post says the Vision Pro is a privacy mess waiting to happen. Several people are dead after a small plane crashed into a mobile home park in Clearwater, Florida, in the Tampa Bay area, leading to a fire that damaged at least four homes. The crash happened shortly after 7 o'clock last evening in Bayside Estates. Clearwater Fire and Rescue Chief Scott Ellers couldn't say exactly how many people were killed. The tower over there uh, was able to get a radio transmission from the pilot that he was having a mayday, 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 and uh, the aircraft went off uh, radar uh, about three miles north of the runway. The aircraft was a Beechcraft Bonanza V-35. The Federal Aviation Administration did not confirm how many people were aboard the plane. Chief Eller said the plane crashed into only one home. However, the ensuing fire damaged a couple of others. Just prior to the crash, the pilot reported to air traffic controllers at St. Pete Clearwater International Airport that the plane, quote, had some trouble. The FAA says the pilot reported an engine failure. Both the FAA and the National Transportation Safety Board are investigating. A retaliation plan gets approval. CBS News reporting that U.S. officials reportedly have plans in place for a series of strikes over several days against targets inside Iraq and Syria, including Iranian personnel and facilities. The strikes would be in response to drone and rocket attacks targeting U.S. forces in the region, including the drone attack on Sunday that killed three U.S. service members at the Tower 22 base inside Jordan. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby. This will be a multi-tiered approach uh, over uh, over a period of time. The first thing you see will not be the last thing you see. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin is defending America's seeming delay in responding. You know, I don't think the uh, the adversaries are of a one-and-done mindset. Uh, and so uh, they have a lot of capability. I have a lot more. There have been no new attacks on U.S. troop locations in the region since the terrorist group Qatayib Hezbollah, backed by Iran, announced Wednesday that it was suspending military operations against American forces. Concerns are growing in Washington that the Israeli government is not doing enough to stop attacks by Israeli settlers on Palestinians in the West Bank. So the Biden administration has announced a new set of sanctions against those it deems responsible. Since the Hamas terror attacks on Israel four months ago and the outbreak of the war in Gaza, the United Nations says attacks by Israeli settlers on Palestinians in the West Bank have doubled. State Department spokesman Matthew Miller. Violence in the West Bank surged to alarming levels in 2023. 
This includes unprecedented levels of violence by Israeli extremist settlers tar tar targeting Palestinians and their property, as well as violence by Palestinian extremist militants against Israeli civilians. The first round of sanctions under the new executive order includes four Israeli settlers who the U.S. said were directly involved in attacks against Palestinians in the West Bank and acts that led to the forced displacement of Palestinian communities. Ever feel like your finance software just isn't cutting it anymore? I say dump it. Hey, it's Gordon Deal, here to tell you about Ramp. It's the financial software you need to manage your expenses and avoid unnecessary work. You see, Ramp is more than a corporate card. It's a spending management software. It'll save you time and put money back in your pocket. Ramp gives your finance teams control and insight. You can issue a card to each employee with specific limits and automated expense reports. Ramp will systematically collect receipts and categorize expenses in real time. Just go to ramp.com slash Gordon. No more chasing down receipts or long hours on reports. Businesses using Ramp save an average of 5% in their first year. And now get $250 when you join Ramp. Ramp.com slash Gordon. That's R-A-M-P dot com slash Gordon. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank, members FDIC. Terms and conditions apply. Get $250 when you join Ramp. Ramp.com slash Gordon. Welcome into Friday. In the hours following the Hamas terror attacks on Israel last October, American officials rushed to determine if terrorist groups plan to attack troops and diplomats abroad. Aaron Banco, national security reporter at Politico, says they immediately struggled. One reason? The U.S. had spent years pulling back intelligence and military resources from the Middle East and shifting focus elsewhere. Erin, what have you found? Yeah, well, actually, this story kind of comprehensively looks back uh, at decisions that, you know, multiple administrations have made dating back to the Obama administration. You know, obviously, everyone is very well aware we've been pulling resources out of the Middle East for some time, whether that be military, you know, intelligence, diplomatic, um, obviously, when Biden came into office, he pulled out of uh, Afghanistan, you know, not really the Middle East, but, you know, he embraced this strategy, uh, as did President Trump, of trying to pull resources, as I said, out of the region and pivot toward focusing on what has been dubbed in the national security apparatus, the strategic power competition. So focusing on countering China, countering Russia, um, and so post-October 7th, there was a bit of a scramble inside the administration uh, to fully understand how that attack was going to impact U.S. troops uh, and diplomats overseas, what threats they faced, uh, how to respond. We, of course, have pulled, for example, naval assets out of the region. So we saw officials um, sort of, they were caught flat-footed in some instances, uh, caught off guard. And so there's been this reckoning, reckoning inside the administration now mm. about the extent to which we should reinvest in our Middle East strategy and our counterterrorism strategies uh, going forward. Boy, I, somebody in your story accused President Biden of ignoring the Middle East. Is that accurate? So I think we are still heavily invested in some areas in the Middle East. Uh, we still have some counterterrorism troops in uh, just a couple of thousand in Iraq and Syria. But there has certainly been an effort within the administration to reprioritize uh, the national security strategies and to put more emphasis on uh, China and Russia. Um, I, I would like to point out that uh, this was a strategy also embraced uh, by the Trump administration, though the Trump administration 
was more aggressive, I would say, on the Iran front. Um, you'll notice, uh, for anyone sort of watching cable news over the last few weeks, there's been a tit for tat between the Biden and Trump camps over, you know, who has handled the Middle East yeah. better. And of course, we're in an election year, so that that will always sort of come up in an instance like this. But I think each administration uh, handled the Middle East, you know, quite differently in terms of our approach in aggressiveness. And I think the Biden administration has really tried to as I said, put more emphasis on other areas. Um, Looking, you know, 20, 30, 40 years down the line, uh, you know, we need to start really competing with China. We need to really start countering Russia's influence in continents like Africa. That's been something that, you know, President Biden himself has really tried to embrace. We're speaking with Erin Banco, national security reporter at Politico. Her story is called The U.S. Pulled Resources Out of the Middle East. Now it is rethinking that decision. So as this rethinking is going on, I mean, I guess you can't really reverse what you've done, but can you can you recommit to the Middle East in in, in a reasonable amount of time? Yeah, you know, I don't think we're going to see President Biden, you know, putting more troops on the ground. That's, you know, dating back to his vice presidency days, that's been something he's wanted to avoid. He's actually wanted to take troops out of the region. But what we have seen in recent weeks is a significant pivot, at least on the Pentagon's front, in terms of redeploying shipping and naval assets into the region. And, you know, for sure, the intelligence community has had analysts sort of pivot off of their normal everyday portfolios, you know, whether they were focused on Asia or Russia or Africa, pivoting to now focusing more on the uh, Gaza-Israel-Palestine issue. And of course, you know, the conflict, the broader conflict with the Iranian-backed groups in Yemen, Iraq, and Syria. Thanks, Aaron. That is Aaron Banco, national security reporter at Politico. 20 minutes now after the hour on This Morning. Here's Nicole Murray. And now, the three big things you need to know. Number one. The U.S. has approved a series of retaliatory strikes on Iranian targets in Syria and Iraq. CBS News reports the assaults will target Iranian personnel and facilities and will take place over a number of days. This move comes in response to the deadly drone attack that killed three U.S. soldiers in Jordan. Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin. The president will not tolerate attacks on American troops, and neither will I. U.S. officials say weather conditions will dictate when the attacks are launched. Number two. Several people have died after a Beechcraft V-35 plane crashed into a mobile home park in Clearwater, Florida yesterday evening. Law enforcement says the flames also damaged multiple surrounding homes. Chief Scott Ellers with Clearwater Fire and Rescue. The tower over there uh, was able to get a radio transmission from the pilot that he was having a mayday, 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 and uh, the aircraft went off uh, radar. Uh, about three miles north of the runway. Law enforcement was unable to confirm how many people were killed and the FAA did not reveal the number of passengers aboard the plane. Number three. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin has issued a public apology for keeping his prostate cancer diagnosis and treatment a secret from President Biden, Pentagon staff, and the public. The American people have a right to know if their leaders are facing health challenges that might affect their ability to perform their duties, even temporarily. So a wider circle should have been notified, especially the president. Lloyd said there were no gaps in authority and the Pentagon has already instituted new procedures to ensure no future lapses in notification. 
Universal Universal Music Group has begun removing its music catalog from TikTok after the two companies failed to reach a new licensing contract. The short video platform lets users create content featuring popular music. Many of those are now silent with a message that reads, sound removed due to copyright restrictions. The music label says terms of the new deal do not compensate it artists and songwriters fairly. Thanks. All right. Thank you, Nicole. Glad you're with us. Welcome into Friday. Is your job as boss killing you? Maybe the job of CEO should come with a warning label. By one measure, 19 chief executives died in office last year, the most since 2010. Here's Callum Borchers, columnist at the Wall Street Journal. Cal, not one of your funny pieces. Yeah, you try to find the humor where you can, but this one was a little bit heavy. I mean, if you looked at the years 2018 and 2019, five CEOs died in office in each of those years. And then we see a market uptick uh, in just the last four years. Obviously, CEOs leading companies through COVID and out the other end, of the pandemic, um, you know, 18, 13, 12, and then 19 last year. So these are these are relatively big numbers. And, and two things I think are going on. I mean, one is the stress and pressure of the job itself. And the other thing that executives told me is you have so much on your plate that you neglect sleep. You don't eat right. You don't work out. And those things can catch up to you, too. Boy. All right. So as you said, uh, maybe uh, a candid help wanted ad is is necessary here. What, what would that entail? Yeah, I'm only half joking when I say these jobs should come with a warning label. I mean, you know, you'd say, hey, you're going to be handsomely compensated and and we're looking for a visionary leader. Also, by the way, uh, you may have less time to enjoy all that money that you're going to make as CEO because uh, quite literally, and there's some good research on this, uh, being a CEO under stress can take years off your life. Uh, the Wharton School at Penn uh, and, and a couple of other economists published a paper just a few years ago, big sample, about 1,600 CEOs, uh, and they found that uh, those who faced uh, a big sort of industry-wide downturn uh, would live on average one and a half years less uh, than their counterparts. So there is some sort of sobering data on this. Yeah. Uh, who'd you talk to in your piece that maybe got a scare and turned things around or had that aha moment and thought this is a really dangerous path? Well, you know, one that stands out is uh, Oscar Munoz, uh, who was the uh, chief executive of United Airlines for all of 37 days before he had a heart attack. And uh, he told me that he got a heart transplant and, you know, took it as a sign to, uh, you know, prioritize some of those things he had neglected, like the sleep and the Mm. diet and the exercise. Uh, But then again, he went right back to work full time just two months after a heart transplant and led the company for for five more years. Uh, And so the way he put it is like, you know, some of us are just wired to do this. You know, you can tell us that there are health risks that go with this job. But, you know, nobody I know who's in line to to be a CEO really thinks about that before taking the job. And this is what you've been working your whole career for. Man, we're speaking with Callum Borchers. He writes the On the Clock column at the Wall Street Journal. This piece is called More CEOs Are Dying on the Job. Uh, This woman, uh, Nika Barua from Beyond Barriers, what's her story? Yeah, Nikki's an interesting case because she did do, I'd say, a little bit more of a lifestyle change than some of the others in in the sense that, you know, she she, she didn't have... Uh, you know, a, a heart attack or, or you know, a, a, a major sort of acute health scare. She just was burned out in 2016, uh, as, as she describes it. You know, she was dealing with frequent migraines and, you know, acid reflux and just sort of chronic ongoing kind of stuff. And she just said, I, I've, I've got to make make a change here. And really what she did, which sounds sort of subtle, but she got really disciplined about managing her calendar. Uh, and she just said, I'm going to schedule everything right down to every meal, every workout, every single thing so that at least I'm following the plan. 
Thanks, Cal. Callum Borchers, he writes the On the Clock column at the Wall Street Journal. If you still have landline phone service, you may have noticed that your monthly bills have been skyrocketing. That's because the FCC no longer regulates copper lines and phone companies are jacking up the price of their service. UMA is an internet home phone service that lets you keep enjoying the safety and peace of mind of a home phone without paying an arm and a leg. In fact, with a one-time purchase of the UMA Tello, you get internet home phone service for free. All you pay are applicable taxes and fees. Unlike mobile phones, UMA has address-based 911, so dispatchers will know exactly where to find you in an emergency. In the event you call 911, UMA can send a text alert to loved ones. UMA even includes a free mobile app so you can take your home number on the go. And don't worry, you can keep your home phone number for a one-time fee or get a new one for free. Setup is easy. It takes less than 10 minutes. Stop paying too much for home phone service. Visit UMA.com slash Gordon Deal today to get a special discount. That's O-O-M-A dot com slash Gordon Deal. Glad you're with us. Welcome into Friday, February 2. Gordon Deal with Nicole Murray. Some of our top stories and headlines. Several dead after a small plane crashed into a mobile home park in Clearwater, Florida. Still waiting to see how the U.S. responds to a deadly drone attack on U.S. troops in Jordan. Meta shares jumped after the Facebook parent announced a cash dividend for the first time. Desperate to fill job openings, Topeka, Kansas is marketing itself to immigrants from Spanish-speaking countries who have permission to work. Billy Joel's new song is out ahead of Sunday's performance at the Grammys and the origins of Groundhog Day. That story in about 20 minutes. Apple says its new $3,500 Vision Pro is the next big thing after the smartphone. When you wear one, you see the world around you with computer-generated images and information superimposed on top. But there are lots of privacy questions. Jeffrey Fowler, tech columnist at the Washington Post, has been asking them. Jeff set this up. The Vision Pro is what Apple says is the next big thing that's supposed to come after the iPhone. It's a set of goggles you wear on your face that mix uh, a view of the real world in with digital stuff. Um, it you know, comes almost a decade after we first got VR headsets like the Oculus Quest and and, and, and similar products, and now Apple is getting into that space. Mm. What would you say? It's like wearing uh, like six smartphones on your head or cameras on your head, something like that? Well, the, the thing that's, uh, that's a little bit new about it and confusing about it for consumers is like, so what's going on inside this visor? And what I did is I took a close look at what kinds of data this device is actually collecting in order to make all of these magical kinds of things appear to happen inside the goggles. And it turns out that it is actually, there's a lot of technology in there that's collecting a lot of data. And it is about the equivalent of someone with four iPhones strapped to their head. Are there practical uses for this? Or is this like a mostly an entertainment type device? Um, that is all part of the question that um, Apple is trying to figure out. Um, I, I would My sense is they don't have a really strong answer for it at this point. This is a very expensive kind of first-generation product for them. They kind of wanted to get out in, in the market at $3,500 and see what do people find it useful for. What do they want to do with it? Do they want to watch movies? Do they want to play games? Do they want to do work? Um, you know, what kinds of things? So that's what they're helping to figure out. We're speaking with Jeffrey Fowler, technology columnist at the Washington Post. His piece is called Apple's New Vision Pro is a privacy mess waiting to happen. So regarding the headline, uh, dive into the privacy issues here. You, you got a lot of questions. Not sure you got a lot of answers. 
Yeah, I mean, the last time that we've had a new consumer gadget that raised this many questions about kind of the social impact of it was Google Glass. Do you remember that one back in 2003? People were going around with these things, um, these sets of glasses on their head with a camera and a little screen, and people were so upset about that that they called the people who wore them glass holes. Now, that thing only had one camera on it that people uh, were worried um, were, was you know, maybe covertly recording them. Now, with Apple's new product, we're going to have people going around with the equivalent of four iPhones strapped to their heads. I mean, this thing is collecting so much more data than any product, frankly, that I've ever I've ever investigated in my time as a consumer tech columnist. So we've got lots of cameras. So they're not only taking pictures and audio and video, but they're also making maps of the world around you, of uh, what your living room looks like, and also how your body moves. And I think you know we got some, uh, some steps in, in this product from Apple to kind of protect some of that sensitive information, but, but it's not complete. And that's the privacy mess I see ahead of me. Yeah, I know one of the big questions was what, what happens when this data is collected, but has there been some sort of satisfactory response? Um, uh, the answer is yes and no. So Apple drew some lines in the sand about a couple of things. So as I mentioned with, uh, with Google Glass, people were really concerned that like, you might be photographed with it without your knowledge, without your consent. Um, so Apple made the Vision Pro um, show a little uh, thing on its front when, it, when it's taking a picture or, or a video. But that said, that's not really the big concern for me with, with this technology. Like it or not, 10 years after Google Glass, we've all kind of made, made peace with the idea that we could be filmed anywhere, anytime, just walking around because everybody has a smartphone. To me, the bigger questions and bigger problems are, what is this thing collecting about how your body moves, first of all, and then second, the space around you? Because it turns out what, what your body is doing is really revealing. And there's some research has been going on into this space uh, with, with some of the earlier VR headsets that, uh, that, that show that actually how you move your body, how you move your hands, how you move your head uh, can reveal you and identify you as well or better than your fingerprint can. Jeez. And, you know, and already, you know, we already have a problem on the Internet these days with companies tracking us mm-hmm. based on our browsers and other things. And so now in this new world, if this really is the next thing to come after the iPhone, they would have even better ways to track us. Thanks, Jeff. Jeffrey Fowler, technology columnist at The Washington Post. Today's mic drop is brought to you by Dell. For your small business needs, call a Dell Technologies Advisor today at 877-ASK-DELL. Thanks for spending time with us. Welcome into Friday. Time now for the mic drop with this morning's Mike Gavin. Good morning. Well, you know, few among us can say we've left a carnival claw machine feeling good about how we've spent our money, usually with an empty wallet and even emptier hands. Perhaps that's why one boy in Australia decided to take matters into his own hands this week and crawl inside of a claw machine in the hopes of circumventing the claw altogether and snagging a Hello Kitty stuffed toy for himself. The three-year-old climbed into the machine through the chute where the prizes are normally dropped. Problem was, once he got inside, he was unable to find his way out. Eventually, police were called to assist. Video showed Ethan's parents directing him to a back corner of the machine and telling him to cover his eyes so officers could shatter a glass pane. Ethan was then lifted out of the machine and returned to his family uninjured. And while the whole thing was 
was quite an ordeal for a toddler to go through. There was one silver lining. After he was rescued, an officer could be heard saying, you want a prize. Which one do you want? <laughs> so I guess that's the way to, yeah. uh, to get yourself a, a Hello Kitty. Yeah. He seemed content in there. Yeah. Right? He wasn't like panicking. He's yeah. just kind of wandering around this little claw machine full of uh, Hello Kitty stuffed animals. Or yeah. Whatever. That's a little bit surprising. I was expecting a little more yeah. crying in I that would, situation. Because yeah. especially because you're, you're in there and uh, you can't hear everybody that well because the sound is coming through the glass. True. So you're hearing all this muffled. You're, people are banging on the yeah. glass and you're getting all this muffled sounds. I think it could be scary for sure for a toddler. Just think about the, uh, the good acoustics for, say, either radio or music <laughs> inside a claw machine yeah. where, like... Hello Kitty stuffed animals are absorbing all the sound. That There's is probably true. Really good acoustics. That is in there, true. We've right? never thought of that before. Yeah. yeah, maybe maybe for our next studios. By the way, can we uh, can we perhaps rethink the design of these things so that the children can't crawl inside the chute? Yeah, I mean that seems. I mean, this is a pretty big kid. You and, know? and the manager like can come running over with a key and just unlock the. The, yeah. the pain or the door or whatever. Like yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I didn't even think about that. Seemed what, extreme no, to come Nobody over. had a key to open this thing up. Right, it was pretty risky to like smash glass yeah. with a child inside. How did they get them in there in the first place? Right. The, the, the plus choice. Right. I don't, yeah, I don't know. Right. Eventually the inventory runs low. you got to refill yes. it. Yes, these, these are the hard-hitting questions well, that nobody was asking. What do we know? <laughs> and is this a fake or a really weird and specific trend all of a sudden becoming a thing? You'll remember earlier this week we were talking about the Pizza Hut in Canada that posted a sign that they were forced to close due to unforeseen circumcisions, an unfortunate autocorrect that made everyone laugh and even prompted a funny response and $5 pizza deal from the restaurant's manager. Now across the pond, another chain has had an eerily similar incident. A Reddit user this week posted a picture from outside a UK McDonald's who had posted their own sign about an unexpected closure. It reads, due to unfortunate circumcises, we will be closed from 11 p.m. until 7 a.m. British commenters, apparently unaware of the Canadian incident earlier in the week, made the expected jokes about cutoff times, cutbacks, and how tips weren't expected. The question now is, is this an incredible coincidence, or did someone at the Mickey D's decide to do this on purpose for some social media exposure. Yeah, this seems really lame, doesn't it? <laughs> it's a, a lame follow-up, yeah. just biting off of the, the yeah. first one that happened. Yeah, I'm not, not buying this uh, Yeah, one. yeah, that, that would be just an unbelievable coincidence if it happened in the same week, right? Again, I, I really struggle with the idea that autocorrect is to blame for one bad grammar and then just Right, throwing randomly throwing in this word. I'm, I'm not so, buying so it. You're saying there's something uh, nefarious uh, yeah. going on here. Yeah, <laughs> it's like someone's a, purposely doing this. Yeah, lame attempt at social media exposure. Okay, I, I, like is is like Great Britain trying to like reacquire parts of Canada? Like are we rewriting history here? Like under the <laughs> British Empire? Like what what are we doing here? This I mean, the good news is nobody there seemed to seem to know about the one in Canada, yeah. right? So you can do it almost in every continent and get away with it. It seems like <laughs> right and make news. Yes, right. Thanks, Mike. For all the ones who get it done, Granger is always there to help. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, 24-7 support, free access to product specialists, and experienced staff at over 250 local branches. Plus, they provide real-time product availability online and have sourcing specialists who can help you track down hard-to-find items. And their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call 1-800-GRANGER, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. 
Thanks for spending time with us. Welcome into Friday. Time now for the mic drop with this morning's Mike Gavin. Good morning. Well, you know, few among us can say we've left a carnival claw machine feeling good about how we've spent our money, usually with an empty wallet and even emptier hands. Perhaps that's why one boy in Australia decided to take matters into his own hands this week and crawl inside of a claw machine in the hopes of circumventing the claw altogether and snagging a Hello Kitty stuffed toy for himself. The three-year-old climbed into the machine through the chute where the prizes are normally dropped. Problem was, once he got inside, he was unable to find his way out. Eventually, police were called to assist. Video showed Ethan's parents directing him to a back corner of the machine and telling him to cover his eyes so officers could shatter a glass pane. Ethan was then lifted out of the machine and returned to his family uninjured. And while the whole thing was quite an ordeal for a toddler to go through, there was one silver lining. After he was rescued, an officer could be heard saying, you want a prize? Which one do you want? <laughs> so I guess that's the way to, yeah. uh, to get yourself a, a Hello Kitty. Yeah, he seemed content in there. Yeah. Right? Uh, he wasn't like panicking. He yeah. just kind of wandering around this little claw machine full of uh, Hello Kitty stuffed animals. Or yeah. Whatever. That's a little bit surprising. I was expecting a little more crying yeah, in I that w- situation. Because yeah. especially because you're you're in there and uh, you can't hear everybody that well because the sound is coming through the glass. True. So you're hearing all this muffled. You're, people are banging on the yeah. glass and you're getting all this muffled sounds. I think it could be scary for sure for a toddler. Just think about the, uh, the good acoustics for, say, either radio or music <laughs> inside a claw machine yeah. where like... Hello Kitty stuffed animals are absorbing all the sound. That There's is probably true. Really good acoustics. That is in there, true. We've right? never thought of that before. Yeah. yeah, maybe maybe for our next studios. By the way, can we uh, can we perhaps rethink the design of these things so that the children can't crawl inside the chute? Yeah, I mean that seems. I mean this is a pretty big kid. You and, know? and the manager like can come running over with a key and just unlock the. The, yeah. the pain or the door or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Out. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Seemed what, extreme. No, to come nobody over. had a key to open this thing up. Right. It was pretty risky to like smash glass yeah. with a child inside. How do they get them in there in the first place? Right. The 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 plus choice. Right. I, don't, yeah, I don't know. Right. Eventually the inventory runs low. You gotta refill yes. it. Yes, these these are the hard hitting questions well, well, that nobody was asking. What do we know? <laughs> and is this a fake or a really weird and specific trend all of a sudden becoming a thing? You'll remember earlier this week we were talking about the Pizza Hut in Canada that posted a sign that they were forced to close due to unforeseen circumcisions, an unfortunate autocorrect that made everyone laugh and even prompted a funny response and $5 pizza deal from the restaurant's manager. Now across the pond, another chain has had an eerily similar incident. A Reddit user this week posted a picture from outside a UK McDonald's who had posted their own sign about an unexpected closure. It reads, due to unfortunate circumcises, we will be closed from 11 p.m. until 7 a.m. British commenters, apparently unaware of the Canadian incident earlier in the week, made the expected jokes about cutoff times, cutbacks, and how tips weren't expected. The question now is, is this an incredible coincidence or did someone at the Mickey D's decide to do this on purpose for some social media exposure. This seems really lame, doesn't it? (laughs) It's a a lame follow-up, just biting off of the the first one that happened. Yeah, I'm not not buying this Uh, Yeah, yeah, that that would be just an unbelievable coincidence if it happened in the same week, right? Again, I I really struggle with the idea that autocorrect is to blame for one bad grammar and then just... Right, throwing randomly throwing in this word. I'm, I'm not. So, buying so you're it. saying there's something uh, nefarious uh, yeah. going on here? Yeah, it's <laughs> like just someone's a, purposely doing this. Yeah, lame attempt at social media exposure. Okay, I, I, like is is like Great Britain trying to like reacquire parts of Canada? Like are we rewriting history here? Like under the <laughs> British Empire? Like what what are we doing here? This I mean, the good news is nobody there seemed to seem to know about the one in Canada, yeah. right? So that you can do it almost in every continent and get away with it. It seems like <laughs> right and make news. Yes, right. Thanks, Mike. Now your ideas don't. Have to wait. Now they have everything they need to come to life. Dell Technologies and Intel 
are creating technology that loves ideas, loves expanding your business, evolving your passions. We push what technology can do so great ideas can happen right now. Find out how to bring your ideas to life at dell.com slash welcome to now. That's dell.com slash welcome to now. Hey, thanks for joining us. Experts can't emphasize enough the importance of sleep. Here are some strategies for a better night's sleep, courtesy of USA Today. Number one, don't stress over it. Many people who think they sleep terribly have an unrealistic expectation of what a good night's sleep is. That's simply not realistic, say, in middle age. If you have to get up in the middle of the night, go to the bathroom, or find yourself waking up a few times, so be it. Even a well-rested person takes 15 to 20 minutes to fall asleep, and older people take the same amount of time to fall asleep or fall back asleep as younger ones. Other ideas, go to bed and wake up at roughly the same time every night. Drastically different bedtimes will confuse your body clock. Also, eat light for dinner and avoid booze before bed. That can disrupt your sleep later. And you want to manage stress, meditation, or breathing exercises can help decompress and keep naps short and not close to bedtime. Eight minutes in front of the hour on this morning. Once again, here's Nicole Murray. And now, the three big things you need to know. Number one. President Biden has issued sanctions for four Israeli settlers accused of attacking Palestinians in the West Bank. The broad executive order states violence in the area has reached intolerable levels and will block the individuals from accessing all U.S. property, assets, and the American financial system. National Security Council spokesperson John Kirby. It's a signal to the whole world how seriously President Biden takes this violence against uh, the, the, set, the, the settler violence against Palestinians in the West Bank. He's been very, very clear on that for a long, long time. It's got to stop. Gaza's health ministry says the death toll has surpassed 27,000 people. Number two. The mother of the Michigan school shooter testified in her manslaughter trial yesterday after her son killed four students and injured seven more at a high school in 2021. Jennifer Crumbly said she had no role in buying or storing the handgun her son Ethan used for the shooting and placed the blame on her husband, James. Crumbly's lawyer asked her about her parenting. Are you a failure as a parent? I don't think I'm a failure as a parent, but at that time, um, I guess I didn't see, I felt bad that Ethan was sad at those things, and I guess I just, I don't know, I just felt like I failed somewhere. Number three. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer said a bipartisan deal with Ukraine aid and stricter immigration laws could be unveiled as early as today and no later than Sunday. Conversations are ongoing. Some issues still need resolution. But we are getting very close on the National Security Supplemental. The first vote on the agreement is expected no later than Wednesday. California was hit with the first round of an atmospheric river known as a Pineapple Express yesterday. The state was pounded with heavy rain and snow, resulting in road closures, power issues, rock slides, and flooding. A second Pineapple Express, which meteorologists say could be even stronger, is expected to hit the state this Sunday. Girl Scout cookie season launches today, but with a few changes. The Raspberry Rally cookies are being discontinued to focus on the classics. Prices are also increasing. One box will cost up to $7 in select locations. You have until April to get orders in. Samoas. Ooh, Thin Mints. Thin, thin Mints. mints. I think about Samoa. I love coconut, so I got the Samoas. But I, I restrict myself to 12 at a time. I no was more gonna... than 12 at a time. <laughs> it's so easy to go through with an coffee. entire sleeve. You don't even have to try. For sure. Thanks for being with us. The spotlight will be on Gobbler's Knob in western Pennsylvania this morning when handlers of a groundhog named Punxsutawney Phil will announce 
whether he saw his own shadow and predicts six more weeks of winter or an early spring. The AP says it's part of a tradition rooted in European agricultural life, marking the midpoint between the shortest day of the year on the winter solstice and the spring equinox. It's also a time of the year that figures in the Celtic calendar and the Christian holiday of Candlemas. The Associated Press says ancient people would watch the sun, stars, and animal behavior to guide farming practices and other decisions. And the practice of watching an animal's emergence from winter hibernation to forecast weather has roots in a similar German tradition involving badgers or bears. Pennsylvania Germans apparently turned to the groundhog. That'll do it for this hour. For Nicole Murray and Mike Gavin, I'm Gordon Deal. Thanks for listening to This Morning, America's First News. 